Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and investment advisor with over 20 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider. also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And we also have Gordon Leopard here with us today. Again, Gordon, welcome. Welcome. Glad to be here, guys. Gordon's an advisor in our office at Richard Young Associates. And we are excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. Yeah, you can also check us out on our website, moneymd.net. We have links to podcasts. If you've missed a show in the past, go go check it out. That's right. That's right. Make it easy. Exactly. We have a great show lineup for today, John. Um, you know, before we get in that, though, of course, there is always football. Yeah, I have, we can talk about football this week. Carolina did not lose. This <laughs> Carolina last did not lose last week. That's awesome. And I have a prediction: they will win today. They will. They're playing Furman. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, we got a few uh, high school teams who are playing on the if, way in here too. <laughs> yeah, if we lose to Furman, I will wear a, a orange shirt to the office next week. Oh, wow. <laughs> and if we win, you have to wear a maroon shirt. Oh, there you go. Well, hey man, I'm, you know I'm I'm down with that. Whatever. We'll uh, we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, I mean Clemson, you know, eked one out. I mean, lost yeah. their quarterback here for four or five weeks. That's that's not going to be pretty for a while. And Georgia squeaked one by as well. Yeah, right? We 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 squeaked. By Missouri, uh, out in Columbia, Missouri, but, thirty-four uh, to nothing. Yeah, it's about impressive. time. About time we put together a yeah a complete game. So we'll see. So yeah, locally it was a good week for uh, oh, for the local teams here. You know, Clemson, Carolina didn't play. And, yeah, uh, Georgia won. Georgia, there you go. Georgia marches on. They're the only ones that can really hold the banner this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Still a lot of football so, to play, guys. I don't even know who we play this week. To be honest with you, but you know, we're out in Arkansas. So. But I think on the, the schedule has got a lot easier. He played Boston College on the road, so. Oh. It's not going to be an easy game. No. Ouch. That's true. Well, there you go. We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, exciting stuff. Game day. Yeah. Welcome again. Here we we are. Great show here. Here we are. Yeah. And we do have a great show lineup for the day. Um, You know, we're going to start off here talking about uh, uh, Don't Fear the Bear. Yeah. Learn from it instead. Learn from the bear. Yeah. And uh, we're talking about a bear market, which means the stock markets are down 20%. And they're they're not down 20% at this point. Um, but, you know, if you look back at history a little bit, Steve and, and uh, Gordon, I mean, bear markets happen. I mean, that's just the way the stock market works. And historically, in order to get a good rate of return over time, you have to stay invested. You can't try to time these things. So we'll dive into that in, in a couple minutes. Absolutely. Yeah, we also have a a good topic here on how to protect your identity now. You know, John, I mean, every single week, guys, we have Mm -hmm. a new identity breach, right? I think it was Kmart this week that I heard about. You know, so, I mean, you got to take some steps. We have some critical steps here you can take to protect your identity, what to do if you get... uh, if you do uh, have a breach of your identity, um, have you been shopping the blue light specials, Kmart? 
Oh yeah, man! Every every <laughs> single every single week, you know. Just curious. I mean, there's some good ones there. No, no, I haven't. But I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, it's. I mean, it was J.P. Morgan, like 77 million oh, people it's here just a week Target's or so ago. Hit. So. I mean, everybody's. You know, John. That's why I use the envelope system. There you go. Uh, pay you with go. pay cash. with cash more than the plastic. No, cash, no one can know? can. It's kind of hard to trace that. unless right. they get into your house, <laughs> and yeah. then they can breach. It. Right. If you get mugged. That's pretty much breached. <laughs> yeah. So, but then we have another great uh, topic here on uh, oil. U.S. oil. Are we drilling ourselves in the foot? Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how the oil boom uh, could potentially um, be detrimental to itself if they're not careful. I yeah. do like the gas you prices know. right now. I, I it, it love feels the gas good prices. On the wallet. Great uh, for consumers. That they're going down. That's right. So we'll see how um, the number of rigs and, and um, pr- production is mm-hmm. affecting the overall economy. Yeah, it's an interesting topic about how it's kind of, uh, you know, self-defeating for some of those producers out there. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, great. We're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. This comes from the Department of Labor. And, and, you know, guys, when you hear the the media today, a lot of negative stuff, Ebola and, um, you know, ISIS and things like that. But there are some positive nuggets out there. And, And when the markets get negative like this, they focus on negative things. Um, but there's a lot of job openings out there, which is a positive thing. There's 4.8 million job openings uh, in the nation as of the end of August. And uh, that's the highest level of job openings in the country since January of 2001. Wow. Um, now, people have to go fill them, which is somewhat of an issue. But at least having the jobs being created and, and having openings out there, it gives some people hope. And some people are able to find jobs, which is going to help the their families, and then maybe the economy. So there's yeah. some positives. And I think that's one reason why the, the market, I, I don't see us falling back into some kind of deep recession. You know, I mean, the, the, the job market and mm-hmm. housing has significantly improved. I mean, it can turn very quickly. So, you know, we're not making strong predictions here. Right, but right. In general, if you look at the signs, I mean, there are some positive signs out there in the economy, mm-hmm. just like job openings. So that's a good one. All right. And that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is speaking of the market. Yes, don't fear the bear. Learn from it instead. You know, so markets go up and down, right? They do. Embrace the bear. Embrace the bear. Yeah. Love yeah. that cuddly bear. Yeah, that's right. That's right. This is an article from USA Today. And, and you know, just um, disclaimer, we don't try to predict markets. That's not possible. Um, we're believers in diversification, um, you know, as, as a process. So, you know, there's some lessons that you can learn from the market um, historically and and um, so unless you were doing something unusually specific, like maybe teaching a monkey to yodel back in 2007, specifically October the 9th, 2007, that was actually the peak of yep. the, the bear the, I remember. Start of the bear market. You remember that day well? Well, I, I remember going back to that point and always measuring how mm-hmm. far it was down, how far it was down, October 9th. And the low point, well, of course, was March the, the 9th, 9th, 2009. 2009. That's right. That's right. And, and so it was a big day. Um, for most investors, but, um, you know, it's one of those things that you can take some lessons from. And so what was the big deal about that day seven years ago? Well, as we said, it was the starting date of the worst bear market since the Great Depression. The Standard & Poor's 500 stock index fell 57% between the next 17 months before hitting the bottom, like you said, on March the 9th, 2009. So, I mean, Ouch. that was an excruciating time period. It was. Drop. Yeah. yeah, it was. And it's, it was even worse than the uh, the bear market back in 73 to 74. So all the way back to the Great Depression, they were talking about the D word during that time frame. And it oh, scared they were. a lot of people. Pe- people were scared we were going to fall into the Depression, you know, back in March 2009 when it hit the low point. Yeah, that was... 
that was a scary time, you know, and it's funny how quickly our memories fade. Yes. You know, I mean, that was a huge drop, just unprecedented in our lifetimes. And uh, But the question is, what can we learn from this? You know, I mean, let's start with the basics. I mean, a bear market's a 20% drop mm-hmm. in the stock market or greater. Um, average bear market <clears throat> since 1900 has, uh, you know, the, the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones Industrial Average in this case has averaged a drop of about 31% over 402 trading days. So, so a little bit over a year. A little bit over a year. You know, 31%. So, you know, in terms of the time frame, it wasn't that much different than the last one we had. Um, but the magnitude was a lot sure. worse, right? you know, recently. <clears throat> so last bear market was the worst since the Great Depression. And that has, you know, uh, the Great Depression, of course, to put it in perspective, was down 86%. Mm-hmm. Wow. So a whole different ball game. No you doubt. Know? But that was a depression. I mean, we're not... Yeah, we don't foresee that ever. And, and even at, you know, we've seen a lot of volatility certainly over the last couple of weeks, and, and quite for that matter, month and a half. And um, it, it, the the Dow is is approaching correction territory, right? Correction is when it's down uh, by ten percent or more. And there are some asset classes like small cap stocks and international um, and small, international yeah. that that are down in correction territory. So just because the Dow is a very narrow look, it's thirty, 30 stocks. stocks. I mean, there's there's thousands and thousands of stocks out there, so it's very very narrow. So we're not in correction territory for the Dow. Some other ones we are, but we're not close to a bear market at this point. But you know, with that said, we can learn lessons um, and how to get through this. And you know, there's usually a, a cause associated with this. And daily stock movements are, are really random. I mean, you know, the interval uh, of the market and the howling madness that comes with that. Bear markets really aren't random. I mean, they happen periodically through time. A major stock decline nearly always signals that something is on the horizon, um, maybe a recession, an oil price. Um, it's maybe an invasion of some crazy alien or something. I don't know. Right? Yeah, Ebola. Ebola. Well, that's that's interesting. <laughs> I saw a stat on that the other day, and, and Ebola was the top of the list of concerns. Earnings of companies right. were on the bottom. No one is focused on earnings of companies. It's funny, and that's what really drives the stock market. I mean, we all know that here in this business. That's right. That's right. So when you look back to the bear market back in 73, 74, um, for example, that was sparked by the oil crisis. That began in October that year. The price of oil shot from $3 to nearly $12 a barrel by March of 1974. And if that were to happen today, oil would be about $360 a barrel, to kind of put that in perspective Ouch. a little bit. 2007, we all know that the housing market really really brought that, um, you know, uh, correction, you know, and the, the bear market, and then, you know, followed by the, the financial collapse. I mean, so you had a couple of things going on back in 2007. Um, I, you know, Steve, I don't know about you. We don't try to predict these things, but we do see corporate earnings relatively strong. I mean, they've done they relatively are. well. They, they have weakened this year. You know, they're, 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 they've, they're not as strong as they have been They're not as strong as they have been, and that's one of the reasons why, certainly one of the reasons why the market is pulled back some, mm-hmm. you know. Um, international European economy has, has also hurt yeah. multi, big multinational companies here in the U.S., and that's caused the market to put. So it's really boils down to earnings. Things like Ebola, they do not affect earnings yeah. here in the U.S. I mean, Let's face it. You know that's a that's more of a social mm-hmm. crisis than it is anything else. Really, right. a health crisis. So, all right. Well, anyway, that leads up to break here, though. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at seven zero six seven three nine zero seven two five. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. So stay with us. 
Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner. I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the bear market. Uh, uh, well, don't fear the bear, right? Yes. I mean, learn from the bear instead. We're not saying we're in a bear market. We're yeah. close to that. We're not even in a full correction yet. But, um, you know, market's down. People are starting to talk about it, right? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And a bear market is defined as being down 20%, and a correction is down by 10%. So uh, they happen over over time, and uh, historically, um, they're, they're events that you have to understand because they're scary as you go through them. And the last one we went through, the markets were down about 57% over a 17-month time frame. That was that was serious. That was the worst bear market since the Great Depression. And um, certainly we don't try to predict these kind of things, but it just doesn't feel uh, the same. You know, in 2007, you had the housing collapse, and then you had the financial system collapse as well. Those are huge and, events. And you had some big bubbles. When you look at the last big bear markets like um, 2001 mm-hmm. or 2000, yeah. 2002, and this past one, you had some big bubbles that led up to that. You had really high valuations. You had some things that were kind of looked at and said, wow, you know, this is kind of out of kilter. Mm-hmm. You know, if this corrects, this could be, you know, big. And we're, we're not in that category. I mean, valuations are not yeah, we out of line. <clears throat> um, we don't know of anything that's in huge bubble territory. Um, you know, I mean, even gold and oil pulled way back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, and so when you look at, at the stock market, I mean, it can can be a fair weather friend. In most cases, stock stocks fall for an extended period because of earnings. And we talked about that briefly. Earnings have have slowed down a little bit, but they're still uh, reasonable. And the price to earnings ratio is a, in a reasonable um, kind of a. a uh, a section a when you look at historically, yeah, and so earnings typically disappoint, um, you know, because the recession's on the way, and unfortunately, you know, when you're in a recession, you you need your savings the most, and I don't hear a lot of people talking about recession out there. I don't know about you guys, uh, I just haven't heard that that term. I mean, job markets improved a little bit. We see job openings. You know, so, I mean, who knows, but... Yeah, here in the U.S., I haven't heard the word recession very much. In Europe, Europe, you know, Europe's in a recession, and I think that's dragging us down some, but no, I mean, I don't hear economists predicting a recession um, here in the U.S., you know, but having said that, I mean, you do have to think about recessions and what do you do, how are you prepared, how Mm -hmm. well diversified you are. I mean, if you get laid off in a recession, you know, between a half and a third of your stock account is also likely likely to mm-hmm. to evaporate there for a period of time. I mean, if you had a hundred thousand dollars in the S and P five hundred on the the day uh, the bear market started in two thousand seven, you would have ended up with about forty three thousand at the very low point of the market mm-hmm. on March ninth, two thousand and nine. So before expenses, so. Um, you know, you, you, emotionally, you have to be ready for that, and you also have to be ready with an emergency fund, right? Yeah, no doubt. Emergency fund's key. And, you know, the other thing this article talks about, which which we're believers in, is you, you probably can't call the top of the market or the bottom, for that matter. So people always try to do this, and generally they wind up selling at the bottom, and they buy on the top. And investors... Uh, are hurt by timing the market. I mean, that's what the studies say. There's a uh, study in here from uh, there's a Fidelity fund that had done better than the S&P 500, but the average investor made a couple percent less. And we see that with the, the Dow Bar study. So, yeah, people that try like, to time the market generally do not do do very well. Over yeah, there. I mean, the so, Dow Bar study, you know, if you look at the 20-year, you know, study they do in equities, average investor gets like close to half. Mm-hmm of what the market has given due to timing and expenses and all the things involved. So, 
you know, you have to stay diversified. You have to stay invested. Not try to time it. Don't let your emotions drag you into making poor choices. That's right. Poor choices during times when the market's down like this. And, and the, the key now is is what we focus on is, you know, you have a plan. Stick to the plan. Things get better eventually. Um, I mean, we just saw a minute ago that, um, you know, the average bear market lasts for 400 days. So it's a little bit over a year. You know, and Steve, you, you just alluded to the emotions of, of things. And that's why it's so important to have a trusted advisor that that you can speak to because they're able to bring some uh you know some knowledge to the table and able, perspective able to kind too. of perspective and, and talk you through some of these uh yep. bad times you that's know? right so yeah and you know talking about the the markets to have have historically recovered if you would have bought the s&p 500 back on october the 9th 2007 that was the peak of the market you would have gained about 47 percent as of this last week and that's about a five and a half percent annualized gain it's not historically what it's done, but it sure beats the heck out of the 0.38% you know, gain that you had in, in T-bills. And that's buying at the very peak of the market. At the very peak. You're right. That's exactly and right. And then riding so, the roller coaster down. Yeah. That's right. So, and if you had done some buying during that time frame and done some rebalancing, it could have been potentially higher than that. So you know, the expectations sometimes eventually can be very long. I mean, the Dow didn't top um, its 1929 high until the early 50s. However, Steve, I think we've gone back and looked at some a diversified portfolio during that time frame, and it took like four and a half years for it to recover during the Great Depression. That's true. And, it, I mean, it did fall back again, you know, for another bear market that ensued. But, I mean, the point is, yeah, if you're really well diversified, you lower those time frames for recovery. That's where diversification really helps you in equities. Yeah, diversification doesn't um, guarantee, you know, that you're not going to have losses, but it helps no. to lower volatility. That That's exactly right. It doesn't guarantee a gain and prevent a loss, but right. you're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, whenever one thing you want to do, though, I mean, just in general, is you want to be diversified. You want to avoid specialized, faddish funds. Um, you know, the industry it tries to hide its deeds, unfortunately. When you start mm-hmm. looking at mutual funds, extremely unsuccessful funds, um, they either get liquidated or they, 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 they get, you know, returned to shareholders or they get merged into other funds. You know, the fund industry calls that, you know, uh, hiding their dead. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so you, you have to realize there's something called survivorship bias yep. out there when you're looking at mutual fund averages. That's right. You need to diversify, get a market rate of return. Absolutely. And according to Morningstar, there were 219 funds that were started in 2007. That was the, the year the bear market began. Um, some of these were designed for small, specific audiences. Um, you know, some of the active and, and uh, mid-cap funds, no doubt, they were aimed at the passive-aggressive um, and some indecisive in- investors as well. So a lot of different things to choose. But listen to this. Out of the 219, there are only 97 funds um, that are still down 50% or more since that time frame. I mean, wow. so, you know, if you would have been investing in an S&P 500 fund, you would have been up. But there's 97 that are actually down. Uh, and there's some funds that have, you know, basically, well, they've been taken off the, the books, right? I mean, they've there you go. completely yeah. been wiped away. So the fund industry is uh, is churns out these funds year after year. People uh, still seem to be investing in them. And so don't be one of them. You'll have a better chance, um, you know, if you if you diversify and, and, and be broadly diversified. No one knows what segment's going to do the best. You know, and what we, you know, I don't want to say preach, but we, we coach people on is, have the right risk tolerance up front. Have some bonds right. in your portfolio so when these markets do go down, you're not going down 100% with them. 
Some people need 40%. Some people need 60% in bonds. It just depends on what your risk tolerance is. Yeah, and be prepared to ride out whatever the market deals you because you cannot time it successfully. You start moving money in and out of the market, you know, I more than not, you're going to get hurt significantly. The better strategy is what we see is do rebalancing. So we do that uh, periodically right. for our clients right. of selling a little piece of the bonds and going buying something that's down. And if you're putting money in the markets as well, historically, that's been a great way to, to build wealth during these times because one of the things we see is they do come back. We don't know when, but they have come back historically. Yeah. All right. Good topic. So embrace the bear. Embrace the bear. There you go. Or the correction. Let's the correction. That's, that's right. That's all we have here. That's right. All right. That leads us up here to the question of the week. Yeah, this question uh, we're, we're get periodically, and it's something that we sit down with, with our clients and discuss. And the question is, um, I'm 60 years old, and I have about 50% in the stock market and about 50% in bonds. Should I move all of my funds to cash due to the recent volatility? And you know, we kind of just answered that as we went through that we article. Um, you know, trying to to time the market is is not a wise strategy. If you're 60 years old, you know what we like to look at is your time frame is 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 30 to to 40 years, right? And so that's 30 to 40 year money. So trying to time this on a very short window historically has not been a good strategy. So yeah, joint life expectancy is like 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're married. So I mean, it, you definitely you don't want to try to sell out and time the market. Um, you got to stay in there. You got to be in the right mix. You can ride the ups and downs. Fifty-fifty portfolio is a pretty good mix, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. for a retiree. Um, you know, depending on their risk tolerance level, but you need some equities in your portfolio to to you know grow and keep up with inflation, so you can draw some income out of it and still have it keep up with inflation. And not deplete your principal over 30 years. So yeah, inflation is um, a silent killer. Most people don't talk about inflation, but you know we see it. We see elderly people that are really struggling now because of inflation. And inflation hasn't been high, but you know milk is four dollars a gallon. Fortunately, gas is down to three, but for a while there it was up to four dollars. So it, it puts pressure on your lifestyle if you don't have a growth component in there. Yeah, so you just need to be in the right portfolio initially, and then not try to move in and out right. based on what the market does. That that's timing and it doesn't work historically is what's been proven. You know, the other so. thing people have forgotten during this is the last two years have been fantastic years in the market. So having a, a, a year that's flat to, to you know, a little volatility is really not unusual. It's not. It's normal. We're in normal markets really when you look back at history. Okay, well that's a good topic too. And that leads up here to our break though. If you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages and Gina News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner. And I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are um, continuing our discussion here, um, but starting a new topic, and that is how to protect your identity now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is partly comes from an article out of creditkarma.com. And, you know, guys, I mean, it seems that weekly now, we have some huge cyber attack out there for some well-known institution, financial institution, or retailer. It just seems like a weekly occurrence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, this just this week, heard about Kmart. Um, not a, 
uh, retailer that I frequent very often, but nonetheless. I'm not sure we have any in this area, but. Yeah, I don't know if we, we do, do either, you know, but I mean, it just it, it just never stops. I mean, last week or a couple weeks ago, it was J.P. Morgan with something like 70 million plus people's records that mm-hmm. were were hacked. Um, you know, there was Home Depot a few weeks ago that prompted my credit card company to to replace my Visa card and just cancel the one I had. Um, without even asking me, uh, apparently, yeah, I mean, I do go to Home Depot a lot, so yeah, I was probably, I was probably there. You know, before that, it was Target. Um, a few years ago, the South Carolina Department of Revenue was hacked. You know, and our even our bank information up supposedly was was hacked there. I mean, so if it hasn't happened to you yet, I mean, it's just a matter of time before your info is going to get stolen. Thanks a lot. I mean, that's kind of a Debbie Downer. <laughs> it is a Debbie Downer. But I mean, that's the, that's the cruel bottom line. It is. I mean, well, and you know, one thing that this article uh, also speaks to in just a moment is uh, how easily our our information is available. Oh yeah. These yeah. days, you know, it's there's so everywhere. much information that we put out there as consumers, especially on social media and different uh, yeah. you know and other outlets. So we're making it kind of easy for them sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. And we complete the picture. You know, if they get your credit card information, they can get other information from Facebook and Oh, it's just a media. trail. Yeah. So, you know, Keeps eventually going. they can put the whole picture together and they can use your information a lot of times. Right. So you, you have to be really careful. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, your info isn't safe anywhere. That's the cruel bottom line. Mm-hmm. And it probably never will be. So, I mean, today we're going to discuss um, what you can do about that. I mean, but first, let's take a look at a few facts here. ID theft is a, a $37 billion crime. It affects 1 in 25 Americans with the average victim suffering about $631 in out-of-pocket cost, according to uh, Javelin Strategy and Research. Um, identity theft and fraud has become more difficult to detect and, and resolve in recent years, resulting in even higher consumer costs. Yeah, you know, of course, your, your bank account isn't the only casualty of identity theft and fraud. Time is a is a big piece of it this. Is. I mean, it can be, it can take you up to, to 33 hours is kind of the average um, uh, to resolve the case, that's equivalent to more than four work days. So a lot of time uh, is spent trying to restore your credit. So the dollar is one piece, but then the time is the other significant factor. It is, and I, I felt that personally because a few years ago I had a credit stolen out of, I mean, excuse me, a check stolen out of my mailbox at home. Hmm. Um, someone took that, they printed a brand new check uh, with my account information on it, and then went and used it at a Walmart out of town. It took me, I can't tell you how many hours it took. It was countless hours mm. to resolve that because I had to file police reports in town and out of town and had to basically prove to the bank that this was not my purchase, that it was fraudulent, you know, before they would make it whole. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of time involved in that. So, you know, whether or not you think you're susceptible, it takes just a few easy entry points for thieves to discover your information and to abuse it at your expense. I mean, there are all sorts of ways your credit's stolen. I mean, when you use mobile banking, um, you know, social uh, networking sites such as Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, they can get information. You know, shopping online, um, when you access Wi-Fi in public areas, that people's information has been stolen that way. Um, when you discard sensitive documents like bills without using a shredder, you, you pay your Maybe you pay your bills um, using traditional mail, and they can steal it out of the mailbox like they did me. 
or if you hand off your credit card at a restaurant. I've had that happen before. Um, you know, somebody steals your credit card, doesn't mm-hmm. give it back to you. They just, in the confusion of things, you know, handing you food and stuff. Um, you know, you're at a high risk for identity theft in all those situations. So while it sounds extreme, I mean, it's the reality of how vulnerable we are today as consumers. Fortunately, there are some things you can do to greatly reduce your risk or to make it easier to mitigate, you know, a breach of your information. So don't wait until you're a victim to take actions from identity theft and fraud. Um, so here are some steps that you can take to protect yourself and your finances from uh, this kind of uh, failure. Yeah. yeah, and so the first one here on the list is just review your bank and credit card accounts weekly. Yeah, that may sound extreme, but the faster you catch this suspicious activity, the easier it is to resolve and avoid being liable. So log on to your bank and credit card statements each week. Review all the recent activity. Report any fraudulent charges immediately to your bank or credit card company uh, to get the ball rolling to stop it. They're used to handling it because it's happening all the time, but you've got to kind of be proactive there. Yeah, you've got to get a lot more frequent looking at your credit cards. Um, you know, and doing it online, I think, on a weekly basis makes a lot of sense, but, you know, at least do it monthly. You know, don't let it drag on and on. And review your annual credit report from all three credit agencies on an annual basis. You go to annualcreditreport.com to do that. According to Javelin Research, I mean, thieves opening new financial accounts are responsible for nearly half of the total cost of identity theft, you know, and this is primarily due to the fact that new accounts take a lot longer to detect um, and they lead to higher consumer costs and other types of fraud. So, you know, if you look at your credit report, you can see if any new accounts have been opened under your name. Um, on an annual basis. And then the next one here on the list is freezing your credit. You can consider freezing your credit with all three credit reporting agencies. And, John, I mean, personally, this is what Kathy and I have done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's it sounds extreme, I know, and it can be a hassle if you're frequently trying to access new credit accounts. But this is the only surefire way to protect yourself from someone opening new credit cards in your name. It would put an end to that really once and for all if you freeze your credit. Um, it might cost you about $10 to temporarily thaw your credit. If you're um, with the appropriate credit reporting bureau, if you need to refinance or open a new account, but, you know, that can be done online very quickly, um, I think it's worth the effort, you know, and that's that's the way, like I said, Kathy and I have done, done it to protect ourselves from... Uh, identity theft um and you also don't get many of those credit offers anymore Mm -hmm. after that for some reason i don't Hmm. know reason why that really interesting is the case yeah that's 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 a benefit as well um get monitoring service uh creditkarma.com is one of them if you're not going to freeze your credit then you can get a credit monitoring service that monitors your credit report on a daily basis also notifies you via email if there's a significant change um, it's a good safeguard to um, to help you. It's a piece of the puzzle. It's not the only one. There's some other places out there that you can get it. I know South Carolina offered uh, some kind of ID protection service as well, which yeah. we have because uh, they're paying for it right now, but we'll probably keep it going forward. Yeah, and another one here is the switch to a smart card. Um, now, of course, you don't usually control that. I mean, the credit card company gives you, you know, whatever card they have. But the new credit cards, most of them that are coming out have a chip embedded in them. And that's called a smart card. So while most credit cards and some debit cards offer zero liability fraud protection, identity fraud 
um, will still cost consumers on average like $631, as we mentioned, 33 hours to resolve. So if you can prevent that in the first place, that's a better way of doing it. And these new smart cards have this embedded chip. They have a stronger fraud protection than traditional magnetic strip cards. Um, Smart cards require usually a pin to go along with the credit card purchase where you just you just scan it in a little um, scanner. They use those in Europe all the time. I think I think Walmart um, retailers like Walmart are now accepting mm-hmm. smart cards with a chip instead of scanning it. So that's much more secure than the uh, magnet strip. Another way um, and a very important step is to lock down your smartphone and your computer. Um, your phone and your laptop is essentially a one-stop shop for all of your data if it's stolen or it exposes the thieves um, to to everything, really. You know, they can look at your whole history, where you shop. Um, you know, they know where to go uh, if, they get, if they get your phone, your smartphone or your laptop. So, I mean, have your passwords um, protected. Have your laptop protected and your phone as well. I would say have your passwords in another encrypted file that's password protected on your computer. Don't store your passwords and user IDs in the cloud. I know that's getting to be a real popular mm-hmm. strategy. Um, I think some celebrities had some pictures up there, too. Yes, yeah, they did, didn't they? And isn't it funny how, you know, if you think they can't hack the cloud, yeah. if they're hacking all these big retail firms that are spending millions of dollars to protect themselves, I mean, I think you're kidding yourself. You know, I would not put that kind of personal information out on a server somewhere. Um, eventually, they're going to get hacked or stolen, you know. So keep both your laptop and your phone secure at all times. But we'll continue this list here when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back with these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about how to protect your identity now. Um, you know, guys, I mean, we talked about this, but uh, it's a weekly occurrence now. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're, you know, if you read the news, there is some retailer that's getting hacked every single week out there, and it's usually somebody big. Yeah, Target and Home Depot. Yeah, I mean. Target, Home Depot. I mean, uh, gee, I mean, J.P. Morgan, a financial institution, had like seventy-seven million uh, records. You know, records that yeah. were stolen. I mean, that's like a fourth of the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, that's crazy. So if it hasn't happened to you, it's just a matter of time, you know. And so so the question is, what can you do to protect yourself? We've gone through um, some things here that you can do. I mean, one is review your your bank and your credit card accounts really weekly um, and do it online, you know, so that you can see your recent activities, so you can nip it in the bud if there's something going on there because it can happen very, very fast. Also, review your annual credit report. We talked about that at, at annualcreditreport.com. You can consider freezing your credit. Um, you know, I, I think that's a really important thing to do as well uh, to, to look at. You know, you can get a credit monitoring service out there. There's lots of those that will do it. There's one free that's called creditkarma.com. 
that we talked about. You can switch to a smart card, on, and that's happening for most people mm-hmm. automatically, and those are more secure. So start to use those. They have a chip in them um, for your uh, credit cards. And then, you know, the last one we talked about here, which we're going to go into a little more detail on, is how to lock down your smartphone and your computer, your laptop. Um, Because if you get those stolen, that is a treasure trove of information Mm. for people. Yeah, no doubt. Even if you don't have a mobile banking or financial app, your phone has a lot of sensitive data uh, from online shopping, social networking, and so forth. So an unsecured phone poses really a big security risk that's vulnerable wherever you go. So here's a couple things to look at from a smartphone. Um, Password protect your phone. I mean, make it a a complex and a unique password. Set your phone to auto lock. Uh, Also make sure that any mobile or uh, uh, mobile banking or financial app has passwords that are not auto saved on your phone. So you have to key it in every single time. Yeah, that's right. And that can be a pain, but I mean, that's, that's what you have to do. To protect yourself. Also, you know, your phone probably has a tra- remote tracking service you can put on it, like Find My Phone for iPhones under iCloud. Um, and so in the event that your phone is stolen, you can remotely lock your phone. You can erase all of its data. So you need to have that turned on. Um, you know, set your phone up to automatic. You can also set your phone up sometimes automatically wipe your data if a password is input incorrectly several times. Um you know, I mean, you just need to you need to have that enabled on your phone, particularly for Find My Phone. You know, turn on the Bluetooth. Uh, actually, turn the Bluetooth off if you're not using it, because thieves apparently can pair your, their Bluetooth device with yours and hack um, personal information off of it. I just turned mine off. Did you? That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll turn productive for, here. Or after this show here, I think I'll turn mine off. Um, you know, be prepared with uh, uh, on Wi-Fi. Be careful on Wi-Fi networks because uh, that's another channel for thieves to remotely access your data undetected. You know, only connect your phone to secure networks with passwords. And before you download any apps on your phone, do a quick search to make sure it comes from a legitimate site or publisher. You know, I never thought about that, but mm-hmm. an app on your phone, yeah. a fraudulent app could probably... Yeah, it could feed information back to somebody. Yeah, so, you know, it's, 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 uh, there's something called App Watchdog um, where you can go to and check out uh, reviews of apps. So look at some reviews on them make sure they're legitimate. So anyway, remember that your financial accounts, your mobile phone, your credit cards... Um, you know, they don't have built-in protections uh, to keep you and your identity safe. It's really up to you to take these kind of steps to protect your identity. So if you do all this, um, it may not totally protect you from, from thieves, but at the same time, it will make recovery much easier and quicker, and it will yep. give you a lot of protection. So, all right, good topic. And that leads us up here to our... Prescription Prescription of the week. Yeah, we'll keep this really brief uh, based on time. But, you know, investing, as we talked about, can be emotional. So stay focused on your plan in the long term. Let me give you an example. Last year was a great year in the market. Let's say say you made 20%. This year you've made zero. That's an average of 10% both years. In your plan, if you only needed 7%, you're actually ahead of where you should be. So that plan can be a document and a process that can take out the emotional, um, you know, feelings that you have as we go through some of these dips. So just... Stay focused on that plan. Yeah, yeah. All right, and that leads up here to our last topic, and that is oil producers may drill themselves into oblivion. That's right. Gordon, what does that mean? Well, (laughs) (laughs) it means that they're going from vertical to horizontal. 
So uh, uh, we'll we'll get into that in this in, <laughs> yeah, this, okay. um, in this article. But do you guys remember back in the fall of two thousand eight? The world was spinning out of control, and prices on everything were they were just crashing. They were going down. Right. Uh, the the barrel uh, cost for barrel oil went down seventy percent mm. over about a five month period. And um, of course, some say you know prices should have never been as high as one hundred and forty six dollars uh, that summer, um, but they fell all the way down to forty dollars by the end of that year. That's a huge, wow. huge yeah, drop. It is. You know, so, I mean, it, it blows my mind that they actually got that high, you know, as well, considering, you know, all the things that we uh, export over there and that we support them with, uh, that prices actually got out of control like that. But, you know, that, that was a huge drop during that time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and the oil market has recovered. I mean, since there have been three major corrections, though, when prices have fallen 15 percent over a few months and we're now in the midst of another one, you know, oil's down 20 percent from its peak back in June uh, at one hundred and fifteen dollars a barrel. Now it's down in the mid 80 range. Uh, Of course, it can go lower. So, um, you know, but we're still we're finally starting to reap some of the rewards of the shell boom through low gasoline prices as well and so it could that could spell serious trouble for some of these oil producers out there that are kind of operating on the bubble you know with all their expensive upfront costs when it comes to producing oil that's right uh, many of them have a lot of debt right now and they they're actually exaggerating uh, their oil reserves you know sometimes exaggerating these numbers as much as 27 times. Uh, when reporting to investors as opposed to the numbers that they actually report to the SEC. Now, listen, this this includes resource potential. And what resource potential is uh, is when it includes the land that the company has drilling rights to, uh, but not uh, they haven't explored or haven't don't have the current technology to actually tap into those resources, uh, maybe, you know, for sometimes years to come. Uh, so they have what's also called um, in the reports of proved reserves. Now, this is what they'll actually produce in a given year. So, you know, what the ways that they're able to report to the SEC and the ways that they're actually able to report to investors sometimes differ. Yeah, that's <laughs> huge. Surprising to allow you know. them to do that. But, you know, in a way, oil companies in the U.S. Are, are perpetuating the crash by continuing to drill and push up the U.S. oil production to its fastest pace ever. Rather than pulling back in hope of slowing down the amount of oil, uh, they're actually increasing the number of rigs. They've increased it to over 1,350 horizontal rigs, which means they're doing fracking is what it's called. Right. It's about four times the number of horizontal rigs since uh, 2009. So um, certainly things are, are changing quite quite rapidly yeah they're they're changing quite a bit uh you know the vertical drilling high in 2006 was uh over a thousand rigs and now in 2014 it's down around 370 so you know it's uh it's falling quite the technology the fracking has changed the game i mean it just has revolutionized the way they get oil now and so people don't like it i mean it's an environmental discussion but production wise wow then it's obviously hurting producers, I mean, you know, because, I mean, now prices are starting to drop, right? I mean, we're down to $85 a barrel. Um, but, you know, I mean, for me, that's that's capitalism. That's the way it works. 
Yeah. Well, and it, it, you know, it, it's definitely dropped the price out here. Uh, you know, for the consumer, what we're paying absolutely, at the pump. and hopefully that will translate into more spending in mm-hmm. other areas. You know, but you know, one thing that they're talking about here is will it cost uh, some of these oil producers? Will it cost them some of their companies? Sure, you know, yeah. and and well, eventually I think you might see that if they're leveraged, you know, with oh, yeah, debt, and they're they're going to be they're going to be in trouble probably. But you know what? I mean, our our production has finally broken the back of OPEC. Yeah, you know, I mean, OPEC can no longer set the prices arbitrarily that hurts our consumers. Now capitalism is setting the price and it's bringing it down and it's helping the average consumer out there. So it's helping guys, mm-hmm. you know, and it's forcing these oil companies to be more efficient, right? I mean, they, 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 they have get no better. choice. They have no choice. Exactly. Otherwise, they'll implode. So I mean, I think it's a good thing. I think it's capitalism working. Yeah. I think finally we broke an OPEC. Um, I think this is a great story. Um, you know, hello capitalism again, once again. Some positive news. We'll so see yeah. how it translates. You know, yeah. we'll see exactly. All right, good topic. Okay, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD with John, Steve, and Gordon. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And do check us on our website, moneymd.net. You can email us your questions at info at moneymd.net. And you can also um, get our podcast uh, at uh, moneymd.podbean.com. But you can also go to the website, and it's linked on there. There you go. Linked right on our website, moneymd.net. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC.